Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. And today, I apologize, I am joined by Anthony Irwin. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I got to say, like, I, I had high hopes, and I've said this on other shows and stuff, so I don't know if you've heard this to this point, but mm-hmm. I had high hopes for you and Raj as a combination just because, you know, Raj is just the ever the optimist. And There's you always are ever, a good team in there. <laughs> ever the ever the realist. And so, like, Raj's just, just dive and descent into madness as you just keep just beating him down with the reality of the situation has, <laughs> has been legitimately one of the best parts of my career. I, I'm glad that you uh, put us together. It's been it's been a lot of fun talking with Raj. I like to think that I am sometimes caught up in the glow of Raj's optimism, but I would agree that the majority of the time it's re- <laughs> bringing him down to my level. <laughs> Which again, yeah. like I don't even think that I'm necessarily a pessimist, but I think realist is probably a good way of putting it. Uh, well, I, do- I think I think from Raj's perspective, he thinks you and I are pessimists. Mm-hmm. From our perspective, we like to frame ourselves as as realists, but. Sure. But I mean, the reality is for seven out of the eight years that I have covered and, and, and you've been around about as long as I have, like mm-hmm. the Lakers have made us pessimists. Yeah. <laughs> like, the reality is pessimism. Yeah. I mean, I first started writing for Silver Screen and Roll in 2015. So yeah, just yeah. like popping in that, that was a bad year. Um, that mm-hmm. was the year that I thought was going to be salvaged by drafting Jalil Okafor. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good times. Good times. <laughs> Jalil Okafor. Yeah. I still love basketball though. Still, still kept me around. It says it I don't right know how up, they do it. Right yeah. Up, it whoa, says it right there. It yeah. Is. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I kind of wanted to talk to you today, Anthony, about someone who no longer appears to love basketball. And that is one Liz Cambage. Uh, I realize that this is a Lakers podcast, and most of the time we talk about the Lakers, but as people who listen to me and follow me on a regular basis know, I'm also a huge WNBA fan, and Mm -hmm. I watch and cover the Sparks as well, and because nothing is really happening with the Lakers, and this is a dramatically interesting story on the Los Angeles Sparks side of things, I thought we'd shift over into W a little bit, and just to give a broad strokes outline of the situation that we're dealing with here. Uh, The Sparks, who did not make the playoffs last year for the first time in a decade, decided that they were going to create some free agency money this year. They traded away a first-round pick to get off some cap. Um, They let a couple people go who were big deals for them last year, decided not to re-sign them so that they could throw a lot of money at Liz Cambage. And if you know Liz Cambage, it's because uh, she is the record holder for the highest-scoring single-game, you know, point scoring in WMA history. She's obviously a very, very talented player. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been on some really good teams too. The Las Vegas Aces team that she was on last year made it to the WMA semifinals. She was a really good part of that team. She also has some uh, foibles off the court, one might <sighs> say. Uh, you know, she was out of the WNBA for about five years because she just didn't like the league. And frankly, if you have to play in Tulsa, I can understand the impetus to want to get out of the WNBA but she had a um, memorable incident last year where she was accused of making racist, uh, racist comments yeah at mm-hmm. uh, the Nigerian team that the Australian team was scrimmaging against before the Olympics uh, video has surfaced of some of those comments it doesn't uh, look great on Liz's side Mm-mm. the Australian team completely severed ties with her which was a real real pain for them personally because they 
sucked at the Olympics, to put it mildly, without her. Yeah. And uh, somehow the Sparks still decided that she was worth bringing on to a team with two players who are trying to naturalize to play for that Nigerian team and whose sister was in that scrimmage. Uh, yeah. And lo and behold, uh, she led a mutiny for their <laughs> earlier head coach. Uh, he has since been fired, which honestly, thanks, Liz. Good stuff. <laughs> but... She then decided after a game against the Las Vegas Aces, her former team last Saturday, that the basketball just wasn't for her anymore. Um, mm. From what I understand, had a Focusing memorable on DJing. DJing, yes, DJing and modeling. <laughs> from what I hear, uh, modeling I could see. She's a good. She's very good yeah, looking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. DJing. Yeah. I don't yeah, really I don't know. know what makes a talented DJ. To be perfectly honest, yeah. uh, Chris Haynes has told me that those skills are admirable <laughs> for Liz Cambage, <laughs> but. Hey, you know, you do you, Liz. But yeah. Uh, doesn't, doesn't Admiral to... give like, Admiral gives off the vibe of she tries. She tries. <laughs> right. Like uh, she gives it the good old college try. It's not, it's not, it's not a statement about the actual skills. It's that she tries really hard. Which, you know, some people might not say about her basketball career. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. she is 6'8", which gives her some advantages when uh, most centers in W about 6'5", 6'6". But yeah. She's out. Um, the Sparks are, you know, still trudging along. Probably going to make the playoffs. Maybe going to make the playoffs. I don't know. There's a big game tomorrow against Phoenix. That'll probably go a long way towards deciding those standings. But I kind of just want to talk about the state of the Sparks and how a glamour franchise handles itself. Because I think that's relevant to all of our audience, Anthony. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I don't even know how I could possibly relate to a team foregoing depth and bringing in a volatile superstar and having that backfire on them. I, I don't know how I would even know where to start on how to cover that team. I mean, let's let's just back up a couple years. All right. So the Sparks win a title in 2016, make the finals again in 2017. A legitimately fun team. I I watched. I'm not. I usually, you know, Harrison will tell tell everybody this. When I'm off, I am off. I don't watch mm -hmm. basketball. I just go about my off season. I play with my daughter, and I go into my own little vacuum. But when I saw that the Sparks were playing in the finals, I was like, "Well, shoot! I'm just kind of sitting here. I'll, I'll watch this and and see how this looks and." And how good they are. It was a really fun team. Yeah, and those were great series, the 2016 and 2017 finals against Minnesota. Just a really mm -hmm. a good rivalry that was developing. Um, the Sparks had a bit of a down year in 2018. Uh, but still, you know, in the playoffs, like in the hunt. Mm -hmm. And their coach decides that he doesn't want to coach in L.A. anymore. And there are, there's a long list of things that have happened to Brian Agler since he left the Los Angeles Sparks that we don't really need to get into now. But the point is, is that the Sparks had a coaching search and I should backtrack. It wasn't exactly a coaching search. Their general manager had a list of one when it came to filling that position. Mm. And I mean, does that sound familiar, Anthony, that a big position would open up in your franchise and you would just not even conduct a search or hiring process, just find one person to zero in on because they have ties to your organization from the past. Well, I think it's also worth noting here that the Lakers and Sparks, there's a commonality beyond just the coincidence that the Lakers did a search of one and the Sparks did a search of one. Magic is the principal owner, right? Of... Of the, that is correct. The, uh, the LA Sparks. The Dodgers ownership group also bought the Sparks. I mean, thankfully so, because there were threats of relocation when mm -hmm. this team went up for sale. And because Magic Johnson is a basketball player in a former life, yeah. uh, they allow him to be the front man for that group. But I will say, 
I have not seen or heard from Magic Johnson in covering the team in the last three or so years. So that's, that's roughly the same as his work ethic with the Lakers. Sure. Yeah. Maybe he works harder on Maybe. With the Sparks than, than he did with the Lakers. <laughs> it's hard to say. I will point out that his his role as frontman of the Sparks existed when he took the president job with the Lakers. So that was one of the things that he was going to have to like, I guess, take a step back on, but I digress. <laughs> it was, it was funny. I still recall um, at that time, I didn't have as, as much sourcing here with the Lakers, but, but I, I remember back then when magic was in, in, in charge, I had kind of wondered aloud, Hey, when he hasn't been able to just throw money at situations, like he, he hasn't been great. We saw him as a coach with the Lakers. We saw him with the Magic Hour. Um, we saw him in, in, in various other at various other stops. And I was I was not sure how this was going to go. And I took a bunch of flack for that. And then I remember there was the day on Twitter where Magic was in a bunker in Hawaii. <laughs> he he like popped up in a bunker in Hawaii. And at this time he was president of basketball operations with the Lakers. And I reached out to just the, the few people that I, I knew with the Lakers then. And I was like, did you guys know he was there? And they're like, we haven't heard from this guy in a month. <laughs> and this guy pops up on Twitter in a bunker in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, so yeah, to, to, to find out that he would kind of skate on his responsibilities with the sparks is not exactly a, a groundbreaking, uh, <laughs> a, a groundbreaking update on the situation. Right. So the list of one for the sparks included Derek Fisher, which really highlights a trend that has existed for the sparks in their history, which is, we're going to take a guy who played for the Lakers and have him coach our team, whether mm -hmm. or not he's a successful coach, has experience coaching women. That doesn't really seem to matter. If he is a beloved Laker, Michael Cooper, even I guess Joe Bryant doesn't really count. He's just ties to a Laker. But like anyone with ties to the Lakers organization, that seems was, like a good candidate. For was Cooper any good? Like I'm legitimately asking. It was like, how was Cooper okay? You know, least? I'm not totally sure because he had Lisa Leslie. Mm. So it's unclear to me if this was a Lisa Leslie-led two-time championship team or if it was a Michael Cooper two-time championship okay. team. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't know enough about the 2002 Three Sparks to make that determination. Mm. But just because something works once doesn't mean it should work yeah. over and over I, again. I just want to believe in Michael Cooper. He oh, just I do seems too. like a nice dude. Big fan of Michael Cooper. Yeah. Big fan. Uh, so yeah, we, we end up with Derek Fisher, right? <laughs> uh, who does his very best to alienate the best players on the Sparks. And somehow, after a year of alienating the best players on the Sparks, namely Candace Parker, um, he fails upward. So just as <laughs> Rob Palinka became the head basketball decision maker when Magic Johnson stepped away, a power vacuum emerges in the Los Angeles Sparks front office when their general manager is fired for a racist rant at her players in the locker room. Let's be clear. This is what happened. No real internal audit of the culture that has led to this situation. Mm -hmm. She's out. And they're like, you know what? Why doesn't our head coach just take that job too? <laughs> our incredibly successful head coach. <laughs> if I Can I ask you, like, mm -hmm. Derek Fisher retires. And now there was some other stuff that went on over his playing career that kind of hinted he might be a little shady. 
The right? union stuff, yes. Yeah, the, yes. And and then, you know, folks in Utah aren't, aren't particularly happy with him. Folks right. in Dallas aren't uh, are, aren't also very happy mm-hmm. with, with how he views contracts. And and so, like, there, there were some red flags, but I think most Lakers fans, when he – and not just Lakers fans, like, the, the, the NBA in general, when mm-hmm. he retired – we're like, oh yeah, that that dude's going to be a great coach. That guy's going to be a great leader of men there, or in 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 people eventually. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what I find fascinating beyond also the the Liz, uh, is it Cambage? Cambage. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, beyond how crazy she seems to come off in this situation, yeah. but that Fisher is so bad multiple times at the same position <laughs> and keeps getting opportunities is wild to me so not only am i shocked at how bad he is at this but like mm-hmm. i'm also shocked at the fact that this guy and i think it has a lot to do with when he talks he's incredibly charismatic and totally. i think that's basically what where where his skills as a head coach stop i will say that as somebody who covered sparks since the start of Derek fisher's tenure totally warm with the media gives yeah. everything you want like he's definitely working the right folks yeah to stay in his position absolutely and at the same time like when you're the sparks this was very much a win the press conference type of hire right like adrian wojnarowski is the one who tweets about Derek fisher getting hired mm-hmm. and like that bill plasky was thrilled oh my god uh, i just talked to plasky <laughs> about this a couple weeks back <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, when like Woj is breaking the news about your coach, like again, this is the kind of thing that the Sparks do. They want to be a newsy franchise. Yeah. And God, I mean, where have we seen that before? Winning the press conference. Uh, so okay, again, I, I, no idea how to cover the situation. I, I don't know how to relate this to you, Anthony, or any of the people who are listening to this. But uh-uh. all right. So we get another year of Fisher. He builds the team this time around. Um, I'm going through a lot of detail here. It's probably unnecessary detail. He trades away one of their best rookies for a second round pick because he wants to sign uh, a veteran in her last year to make a championship push. Mm. Uh, <laughs> God, she's just turned out to be quite the player, Marina Mabry, but uh, no longer on the Sparks. Anyway, the Sparks <laughs> uh, losing the second round of the playoffs. It's kind of a rough situation. They're in the bubble. Mako Gumake had a concussion and was unable to play in the playoffs. So, Hard to mm-hmm. pin it all on Fisher there, but then Candace Parker leaves and Chelsea Gray leaves, and, and that was that, like those departures, like you said, were processes that started over the course of that season. Correct, started in 2019, honestly. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we learned uh, recently that um, so there's a an interesting thing in the WNBA where you have the opportunity to like core a player. It's sort of like a franchise tag, um, but you can only use it on one player per off season. Mm-hmm. So everyone in the Sparks like. Brain Trust was telling Fisher to use it on Chelsea Gray in the 2020 offseason, and he chose to use it on NECA. And I'm not going to quibble with that distinction. I think NECA Gumake is a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Better than Chelsea Gray or not, that's an argument to be had. you know. But when everyone is telling you to do one thing, you do the other thing, and then that player leaves, Yeah, I have questions. So Could they have had both? I mean, if you franchise one, then the other one becomes an unrestricted free agent. So mm-hmm. she could have left. Um, but the indications were stronger that Chelsea was considering leaving the NECA. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't really blame him for that. If Chelsea wanted to leave, she was going to leave. It's not a big deal. Um, the Candace thing, obviously, we have 
heard about Derek Fisher benching Candace Parker in the playoffs for three years now. And it's, it was a weird decision at the time. It remains a weird decision. And Candace Parker has been very successful since leaving Los Angeles. <laughs> I would say so. She won yeah. a title. Won a title, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Fisher uh, officially gets promoted to the GM role after these departures. Uh, he was just acting as that role beforehand, officially gets promoted. So the Sparks have gone a year without an official general manager. Let's just keep that out there. Because uh, that's what you want as a functional basketball franchise is to well, not have an official general manager. In defense of the Sparks here, mm-hmm. the coach slash executive position went so well with the NBA. <laughs> like at every single stop, like Tom Thibodeau worked out really well with sure, him. Stan sure. Van Gundy worked Doc out Rivers, really well with him. Doc Rivers yeah, you know, in their own backyard. Like littered every, with success, yeah. <laughs> nothing but winners there. I, I give the WNBA a little bit more leeway in this regard because it is a shorter season and there's not a lot of transaction mm-hmm. activity that goes on during the season. And so you have so much of the offseason to focus on your college scouting and pro scouting and things like that. And because you're only allowed to trade a pick one year out, there's not a lot of sacrificing the future for the present that can happen. It still does happen. You're still you know trading a year out of picks, but the incentives are less like at odds with each other for coach and GM. Like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of successful coach GM combos in the WNBA, but I I understand where you're coming from. Like it's maybe just get good at one thing first before adding on a second. (laughs) I guess that's an important thing to point out. (laughs) Fisher never mastered the one before he got promoted to the other. Exactly. So the Sparks have a, a fairly disastrous 2021 season. Uh, most of it is placed on injury. You know, Neko Gumake missed about half the season. Shanae was gone for about 24 games. Christy Tolliver, their big free agent signing, missed a lot of games. Uh, and it was just exacerbated by the fact that, like, Neko, who they presumed was going to be an Olympian, got left off the Olympic team. And it was just bad vibes all around. They missed the playoffs. <laughs> And this is after they had traded their first round pick at the start of the season. Their mm. rookie ends up getting a torn ACL in the second game of the season. So they end up back in the lottery and, of course, do not have their lottery pick because they've traded it away, which mm. you just love to trade away a lottery pick. It's just such good vibes all around. But the Sparks, decide, the Sparks decide that you're going to that they're going to need to, like, really go big this offseason. Right. They have decided that the cardinal sin of their 2021 season was not that they were bad, but that they were boring. And <laughs> they are going to address that immediately. <clears throat> All right. So we get two homegrown L.A. products coming in, both of which perfectly fine deals. Katie Lou Samuels and Jordan Canada have been having really good seasons for the Sparks. You know, I actually coached against Katie Lou Samuelson when oh, yeah. she was in Edison. Uh, did she for, – for I think I, I – was at Esperanza, man, I forget what okay. exact year it was, but they were, uh, Edison was wild. They had multiple Samuelson siblings on yeah, the team. Yeah, she is an, uh, an older sister and uh, two older sisters. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, that, that team was legitimately unfair. Yeah. They, I, I mean, felt really bad for the girls when they were out there trying to play against them. Both of her older sisters played at Stanford and she played at Connecticut. So a lot of good yeah. talent in that family. But yeah, so they do that. You know, they bring home the L.A.-born players, which, I mean, when you can get an L.A.-born UCLA point guard who can't shoot to run your offense, <laughs> you got to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely have to do it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's worked so well again. In, in, it worked in... so well <laughs> in so many iterations. <laughs> 
Does does this uh, UCLA point guard have a $47 million contract in the Sparks' case? or There's no chance that $47 million have been spent on all of the Sparks in the last seven years. That's, that's also true. It's but like bad. the equivalent of it, is it? Is... Oh, no, no, no. She's okay. on a, a regular veteran, like okay. mid-level type deal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But then, of course, the big move of the offseason is to bring in Liz Campage, who you have to wonder if a team like Las Vegas that is trying to compete for a title does not want to bring their starting center back. And there's really no interest around the league for Liz. If you're the only team going after her, <clears throat> I mean, that would just like signal a, like a light bulb at some point, you know? Whatever. <laughs> <You would laughs> but I get think. it. Sparks are, has like been a really bad rebounding team the last three years. She helps fix that, you know, just some rim pressure. I get it. Talent, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they, the announcer at her press conference, <clears throat> like in a, on a table outside of crypto.com arena, like it's a big public affair. This mm-hmm. is the first time they've had a public event, like since the pandemic. Uh, it's a huge deal. They present her with this number one, Sparks jersey, which if you've read the Chris Haynes piece, there's yeah. a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff behind the jersey number. <laughs> but uh, Fish has a well, great we, line. We need, to, we need to tell that story because okay, let's tell the it story again the outlines, number. I think, the, like how bad Fisher seems to be at this. Yes, so <laughs> it's just crazy. Liz had originally asked for number eight. She yeah. wanted to play in Los Angeles for her entire career. She said this before her draft that she wanted to play in LA. So this is this is not mm-hmm. something that just came up when she signed with the Sparks. This has been documented throughout her professional basketball career that she wanted to end up in LA. She's so excited to play where the Lakers play, where Kobe and Shaq played. Yeah. She wants number eight. Sparks tell her no, can't have number eight because we're going to retire this number at some point. Mm-hmm. Great. Then she asked for number one. Problem is, center already under contract. Where's number mm-hmm. one center who happened to be repped by the same agent as Liz Cambage uh, mm. just a couple months prior. God, that and, is crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that other center, Amanda Zowie B, says, no, thank you. I would like to keep my number. It's very important to me. Yeah. Uh, the Sparks were like, whatever. We're just going to give it to Liz anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Amanda doesn't find out that this decision has been made until she sees the pictures of the press conference Oof. with Liz holding up a number one jersey. <laughs> so that's a decision that was made by the Sparks front office to say, F it to our quality role player here. We're going to prioritize the big, splashy free agent signing, give her whatever she wants. And and also, by the way, like that is not uh, like that's normally how that goes. If a star wants the number, they usually yes. wind up getting the number, but usually like have to buy the number. You have right. to get on the same page with the same exactly. person. Exactly. There's some communication. Are, you know. Yeah. Like, and when you say front office, again, Derek Fisher, it's yeah, the front office, <laughs> and yeah. and he just essentially like just forces this through. Oh yeah, I should point out that um, Derek Fisher did have an assistant GM, Michael Fisher, for the twenty twenty one for who's been with the Sparks for a very long time. Mm-hmm. He resigned shortly before the start of the twenty twenty two season, or shortly after the twenty one season. So mm-hmm. now Derek Fisher is really the guy in the yeah. front office, not even an assistant anymore. Do so, you yeah. think the Sparks and the Lakers combined to staff one full <laughs> front office? Is my question. No, no, no. <laughs> no. All right. So they give her the number. Fisher has a great line at this press conference where he says, you know, we're we're making a big move. Either it's gonna go great or it's gonna implode. And to say that right away <laughs> is just a choice, you know? <laughs> 
like when Russell Westbrook came to the Lakers and Rob Polinka had his press conference, like we had a feeling that maybe this wouldn't go well, you know, yeah. like everyone was thinking it like are Russ and LeBron really going to pair that well, but there's no way Rob said, Hey, you know, either we're going to win the title or Frank's going to go. Like, <laughs> <head just>, <laughs> we either win championship or we win 33 games. I'm not sure how this is going to play out guys. <laughs> Of your own volition to use the word implode is is just such a choice. Such a choice. <laughs> anyway, so the season starts. Uh, Sparks, honestly, you're doing fine. Like kind of treading very, water. Very road heavy start to the season, which is traditional for the Sparks because uh, they always want to stay away from Staples or crypto during the first part of the NBA playoffs because mm. then there's scheduling conflicts, which yeah. ended up not being an issue this year. Yeah. But they always start the season on the road. Fisher ends up getting fired first week of June, relieved of his head coaching and GM titles. And it's revealed that Liz Cambage is part of a mutiny that like ousted him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be fair, not a, not a short list of players who would have wanted Derek Fisher fired. Like this is not a team that had been optimizing its talent for the mm-hmm. last three years. Altogether, not a terrible decision. Weird to make it then, you know, after you've already let the man construct your entire roster again, yeah. trade away another first round pick. And, you know, do they have a GM his... at the moment? It's <laughs> unclear. <laughs> I got it. Like, I think at this point, people who follow me on Twitter wonder if I have something against Magic Johnson. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if I have if I have some kind of axe to grind with Magic Johnson and I don't I really don't like he's. I think he's legitimately one of the most impactful players in the history of the sport. Completely. In- incredibly great LA sports icon, all these things. Huge reason right? why you and I are probably Laker fans. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And uh, and yet, just a complete tire fire in, in, in all of these positions that require so actual he's, responsibility. He's technically not like the managing partner of the ownership group that falls to somebody else. But like, yeah. if you're going to be the guy who they hand the trophy to when right. you win... You should do a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Like a little more, like the bar is underground. <laughs> Hire a GM magic. <laughs> so it should be said that like this season, the offense has been built around Liz. Like she gets more touches than just about anybody on the team. Like it's very post heavy offense that flows through her. She's doing distribution out of the high post. Like it's everything features her. Again, a choice on a team that has Neko Gumake, who was an all-star this year, who's was voted one of the 25 best WM players all time in their 25th season last year, who's been an MVP in the league, mm-hmm. um, but got to feature Liz. And the Sparks... Was Fisher a- running the triangle? Because it's... No, not running the triangle. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I got to be honest, hard to discern exactly what kind of sets were happening mm, for the first okay. month of the season. But yeah, and the team, which had been a top three defense for Fisher's first three years, which, you know, credit to Fisher and this defensive assistant that he brought in in 2019, mm-hmm. just craters. 11th in the league, and it's very clear that this frenetic, active, like, super high-pressure defense that they had is just untenable when you have a big six foot eight center who yeah. has been saying that she's been trying to get in shape until last week, the last time we talked to her. <laughs> she just gave up <laughs> I, I don't know she's like I'm still getting my wind which like, what were you doing up until now I don't understand <laughs> DJing 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 and modeling right yeah one of the skills that is not admirable on Liz Cambage's resume is conditioning <laughs> yeah yeah so Sparks 
you know, they're still treading along. They're like sixth in the standings right now, which is solid. You know, top eight teams make the playoffs. Sixth is perfectly fine considering what happened last year. They play Vegas again, uh, Liz's former team on Saturday. They're in it for like the first three quarters, get trucked in the fourth quarter. Liz has some choice words for her teammates on the way out. Uh, Apparently, her teammates like staged a passive aggressive protest by like force feeding her the ball because she was complaining about touches. Mm -hmm. I've heard stories about her just like, like literally every time she gets the ball and makes a good play, she'll like talk to people on the sidelines or whether they're NBA players or people, you know, they're like, I see what happens when I get the effing ball. And like, it's just, <laughs> she was, she was unhappy with the game and says, you guys are going to have to do the rest of this year without me. Decides that she no longer wants to be part of the Sparks. And that's where we are. So the Sparks luckily were able to buy out her contract at a prorated rate. So they still have some money left over that they were going to be paying her to add a mm-hmm. 12th player for the rest of the season. But yeah, the big glamorous decision you know to bring in this superstar <laughs> failed spectacularly to the point where she will not be completing the season with the sparks do you think the lakers are jealous of the contract divorce with <laughs> there are some wild contract provisions in the WNBA that if they existed in the nba i think would get so much more yeah focus because the center i was referring to earlier amanda zowie whose number was taken from her mm-hmm there is a provision in the WNBA that you can suspend a player for the full season, not not pay not them, pay right? them, yeah, and then use that roster spot on somebody else. Can you imagine if the Lakers just decided this upcoming year we're not going to pay Russell Westbrook, we're no. going to send him home, he's not going to make his forty-seven million dollars, and he can't play for any other team because we've yeah. suspended him. No, I can you imagine how Sam Presti would abuse this in okay. trying to get Victor Wembanyama? <laughs> The entire roster would be suspended. Can you do that with multiple players? I've only ever seen a team suspend one player at a time. Uh. Yeah. What was the reason given for suspending her? Other than so, like, hey, I want my number. Right. As you know, um, a lot of WNBA players play overseas during the oh, winter okay. and fall to supplement mm-hmm. their incomes. And some of those seasons end later. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them start their WNBA seasons after training camp and the season have already begun. So they're theoretical rationale was that she's going to miss too many games they said up to 13 games it's a 36 game season Mm. so it just doesn't make sense for us to carry 11 players until she can come back so we're going to suspend her for the full year which is honestly a lord of horseshit because there was was another it doesn't sound like you're on board yeah there was another player um kade lou samuelson who came back about the same time that amanda would have uh, Christy Tolliver, who was coaching for the Mavs during this year's NBA playoffs, missed way more time than yeah. either of those two did. <laughs> and they never considered suspending her contract. So it was basically, oh, we think we have a better center. So we're not going to play you this year. So we're just going to suspend you so we can you. use that cap room somewhere else. Yeah. Which, God, to be able to wield that power over somebody's contract when it's a guaranteed contract. Yeah. I don't understand the logic behind it. The part that I don't get is... Like, where's the union to say, hey, we can't have one of our members not paid mm-hmm. unilaterally by the team? Like, that, that, that's wild. Yeah, I guess um, there is, like, I don't know, some collectively bargained language where, like, if a player is going to miss a certain amount of the season, then, then you can, like, enter into suspension talks. But from what I understand, none of those talks were, like, made with Amanda before the start of the season. And the decision that she was suspended came as 
much of a surprise as the decision to give Blizz campaign yeah. number one. <laughs> just a tough, just a tough season for for Amanda. Yeah, tough season for Amanda. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is where the sparks are. You know, just with a ton of uh, ton of big big name drama happening around them. Uh, they they decided not to give any players to the media to talk to Tuesday after practice, which again violation of WNBA protocol. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they have a playoff race ahead of them, which people are probably not as interested in as the contract divorce with Liz Cambage. <laughs> well, so like I guess the part that the the thing that I as you were talking the entirety of that time, and especially on an organizational level, right? Like the, I would say the focus of my coverage with the Lakers has been on, this is how these teams operate. And this is the lemonade stand over here. Right. (laughs) Right. And, and I think, and I think it's, it's interesting to note, like you mentioned the aces, right? Their head coach was the Spurs assistant coach there for a long time. So she has the giant contract there. Yes. Becky Hammond is a long, yeah, thank you. Uh, Becky, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Becky Hammond is, is, is kind of the face of, 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 I think, you know, Hey, this is somebody who put in her time proved for a long enough amount of time that she could definitely coach at that level. Mm-hmm. And, and, now you see it translate directly over to the WNBA. And I don't know, like I just, I, I, I listened to the whole time that you're talking and the, the non-existent coaching search and the questions as to whether or not AGM is, is in charge right now. And the way, just this mom and pop nature of the way that magic came up with the Lakers and, and, and the culture that he thinks that you need to have in an organization and the culture that Jeannie Buss thinks that you need to have in an organization and how it seems to miss like this really key part. And it's like, yeah, you can, you can operate like a family and you can be very close knit and all these things, but you also have to value talent. You can't right. let Jerry West yeah. walk out the door. You can't let uh, Pat Riley walk out the door. You can't let Candace Parker leave. You can't let, you know, uh, Chelsea Gray just take off like all of these things this notion of, well, yeah, the cultural just went out. Well, it's the people that make up the culture that defines that success. And it's, it's, it's really interesting that that dynamic that again, shares a commonality of magic in a power position there and magic previously in a power position over here, magic still somehow holding sway within the Lakers after he resigns because he wanted to tweet more like, <clears throat> what a day what yeah a day. The, <laughs> the commonalities between these two organizations are, are really really interesting to me and that's why I, you know i it's your show i would always tell you like take it wherever you want but this specific story is so fascinating because it's so much of everything that has plagued the lakers what's frustrating about that is when the sparks originally were formed they were under <laughs> the same ownership group as the lakers uh-huh. was still the buses but like i mentioned earlier they're in the dodgers ownership group now and the Dodgers Dodgers are incredibly well run incredibly well run right we talked about the aces briefly like they just mark davis the owner of the aces who also owns the las vegas raiders just pours a ton of money into this team like building their own practice facility which is a unheard of for a women's basketball team considering Mm -hmm. they only play 36 games out of the year just the amenities that he provides for his players um and then like the the type of coaching contract that he handed out to becky hammond which is just three times as much as most of these WNBA coaches are making mm-hmm. for the Dodgers to have those resources and then ignore the sparks 
is very frustrating. Yeah. Because you know the money is there. Like we're talking about trading for Juan Soto and giving this guy 10 years, $400 million when he comes to the Los Angeles. Please. The money is there. <laughs> you can do more than have the Sparks practice at this. I can't even Dingy. call it a gym. It's like a rec center in Torrance that they've been practicing at, yeah. um, which it's just not befitting of professional basketball players. Uh, I know that they tried to work out at El Segundo at the start of the season and they were denied access to the Lakers weight room so that was untenable for them so they sometimes practice at usc but that's going to be more challenging as the school year gets closer because mm -hmm. then their student athletes are going to work there so we're back to torrance again in this god this godforsaken facility that they've been using this is the kind of thing where like magic should just throw money at <laughs> like the dodgers yeah. could just throw money at this and yeah you can't outspend the salary cap right that is something that actually you need to manage in a meaningful way but you can just throw money at hiring a capable general manager. You can throw money at hiring a capable head coach. You can throw money at securing the best possible practice facility for your players. And yet none of that has been accomplished. But that's that's the Lakers, right? Like that, And, and again, different ownership right. groups and all of that. But that's mm -hmm. the Lakers culture, too, where I asked in Slack today, do the Lakers have a shooting coach? <laughs> I don't know. Who's to say? <laughs> like, you know, and, 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 you know, these are things that, yeah, like what maddens me about. slightly more sympathetic to the Lakers crying oh, for sure. than I am. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But like, I guess, I guess for me, what's, what's maddening is this short sightedness where I'm going to save a penny over here and I'm going to save a penny over here. I'm going to save a penny over here, but at long term, it's actually going to cost you a bunch of money because this did. You know, the, the culture surrounding the Sparks seems to have cost them Candace Parker, who mm -hmm. is who has a legit claim to like one of the best ever in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea Gray, who's one of the best ever at her position in the sport, you know, and I could see I'm not I'm not saying I can I, I, I understand the explanation. But if if magic is basically saying because one of the I was I was actually um, Googling some of the stuff here about the Sparks and one of the things that. Magic said specifically about taking over the Sparks is they're going to be profitable, not successful, not all these things. He, he used the word specifically profitable. And if you look in a very, if you operate in a very cold business sense and you cut these peripheral costs that you don't consider as important, which is mind boggling that a practice facility wouldn't be considered important, but still if this is if this is the way that you're going to operate on a business level, just like the Lakers last year with Alex Caruso, like, yeah, we don't have to spend the the forty million dollars after the 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 luxury taxes on Alex Caruso. We can just sign Taylor Horton Tucker and make that work. And it's like if you only look at 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 costs as costs and not investments. Investments, exactly. Then then that's how you wind up at this place. And again, it's so it's I, I agree with you completely that it's wild that the Dodgers who really understand this, they spend more than everybody everywhere. Uh and and don't seem to to approach this with the sparks in the same way. It makes you ask some very, I think, important questions. What the hell's going on there? Like why why isn't that same investment, that same prioritization going on here? Right. And I mean, just going back to like needing to invest to see the money come back, the Sparks led the league in attendance with 11,300 per game back in 2019, which is the last pre-pandemic season. Yeah. Um, this year, they're down to 5,500. So yeah. if you're trying to make money, 
Yeah. Getting a product that people want to see and pay tickets for is probably a good start. And that is not happening. And in, in, in the Liz Kimbage thing is such a perfect, again, apples to apples situation is, hey, here's this big splash. Mm-hmm. Here's this jersey that we're going to sell a whole bunch of. Never mind the fact that we're screwing over somebody who currently has that jersey. But look at over here. Look at how this is going. And and like I feel like the Russell Westbrook thing was so so much of that too. Is, Here's this L.A. kid, UCLA, born and bred. Kobe called him the heir apparent and all this stuff to, to mama mentality. And he's going to sell all these jerseys and he's going to make up all this money. But if you don't, if you don't keep the main thing the main thing, if you don't exactly. care about the basketball aspect of this and the winning of basketball games here, then that's how you arrive at this end point here. Not to say that this is the end point and that the Sparks have nowhere to go, but this is this is where they currently find themselves and and. They really have nobody but themselves to blame. Just like the Lakers have nobody but themselves exactly. to blame. Literally nobody but themselves to blame because I mentioned that the Sparks missed the playoffs last year, first time in a decade. They've only missed the playoffs three or four times in their entire franchise's existence. Two times when they missed the playoffs, they got the number one pick, ended up with Candace and then NECA. So mm-hmm. they've been very organizationally blessed in terms of the talent that comes here. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, it's still Los Angeles. They still get a better crop of free agents than most other teams do despite the fact that this is an organization that is kind of known around the league as a shit show, it still happens. People still want to come here. And to not take advantage of those opportunities, like I said, when you have the Dodger money behind you, yeah. it's so offensive, honestly. It is. Well, it, it really is. When you think about what you're talking, there are so many really, really good gyms in the greater LA area. Like with, <laughs> With with the way that AAU is the culture that it is, mm-hmm. um, there are so many of these giant warehouse buildings that could easily house. You know, you could put them in 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 a place where where they could have better facilities there. Again, the the thing they should do right, and it's something that that you know, to Genie Bus's credit and to the Bus family's credit, right? They built the UCLA Medical Center that mm-hmm. where the where the Lakers work out at, and it's one of the better facilities. Exactly. Uh, in the NBA. Uh, and that's, and that's the investment. Like that's it, like LeBron wouldn't have any interest in playing for the Lakers. If they didn't have these facilities, they didn't back up some of that brand awareness and that right. brand understanding. It's uh, why the Clippers renovated a building that still belongs to Donald Sterling because right. they needed something to draw in their free agents. Yeah. Right. And, and so with, with, you know, with the sparks here, uh, it really forces people to ask the question, Hey, Stan Kasten, hey, hey, everybody who we know you know what it takes to run a capable organization. What is going on over here? Like, it'd be one thing if it was like James Dolan and right. all of his, all and like, if seen he, James Dolan run a terribly shitty WNBA operation. Before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you, if you, if we were to look over and we see like James Dolan just doing James Dolan things, you're like, this is just the guy, yeah. <laughs> right? It's why it's why like when the New York Rangers are good, people are like, "What's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are they good?" And then the Knicks are the Knicks, um, and 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 I, you know, but but the fact that it is uh, Dodgers ownership, and we know that that they are they know I how think, to right, do things. They, I, I think there's an argument to me to be made right now that the uh, the Dodgers operate at a level unmatched in American professional sport. Like they're just up there when it comes to scouting development uh their front office the way that the 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 synchro uh, the synchronicity between 
the front office and the manager, um, mm -hmm. all of these things. Like this is how a, a professional sports operation should work. And it's like the polar opposite from how things are going with the with the Sparks. That's fascinating. It's it's sad and offensive, like you said, but it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's just like why buy the team to not do anything with it? Because like having grown up going to Sparks games, they've always been a really good crowd. This is a franchise that consistently draws like 10k. You just uh, curtain off the 300 level at Staples yeah. or whatever the building is called, and it feels full. You know? Yeah. And being there when it's dead is like sad to me on a personal level because yeah. of how much this team meant to me when I was growing up. And it's just, again, offensive because like there is another women's professional team in Los Angeles, this soccer team that is just blowing attendance records out of the water. <laughs> and meanwhile, like a mile away, the Sparks can't manage to do anything because their ownership and their organization is just not there. Yeah. <laughs> literally not there sabrina i asked if you knew about the gm and we were like yeah no, like i i it's you know this is this is always a conversation that pops up around women's sports right is um the amount of inve investment that generally speaking just isn't made in that sport and a lot of times the explanation is well it doesn't drive the same amount of revenue right and what we have found time and time and time and time again with women's sports is actually, if you it make does. the investment, it really seriously does drive, uh, you know, it, it's never going to be the NFL. I, I don't think the WNBA is ever going to drive the same amount of revenue as the, the NBA, but mm -hmm. it does uh, drive a commensurate amount of revenue as comes with proper investment in the sport. Exactly. That has always been the case. And, and you see it, you know, with, uh, you mentioned Minnesota, um, like the culture that, Phoenix, that Washington, yeah, yeah, these, these, these teams, Vegas, um, these mm -hmm. teams that you do see proper investment into the sport and into that organization, you do see the return and, uh, you know, whether they want to explain it away is just like cold, hard business, trying to cut costs everywhere that's possible. You can do that, but eventually you're going to get bitten square in the butt by it. it. That's how, that's how this tends to work. It's like. I, you know, and, and when, when Vox hired me to, to take over this podcast feed, I could have gone to them and said, oh, I could, cut, I could cut costs across everywhere. We don't have to have any other hosts. I ran the whole thing at Locked On Lakers by myself, you know? And it's like, yeah, that, that technically could have been like the could... riot that existed outside of Staples Center <laughs> during that one breach. <laughs> Harrison <laughs> paints his face. I did. But like, but no, like what, what it takes in, in all of business essentially is to invest in the business to have that success. And it always is so long as you're, you're, you're investing in the right things. Obviously, Liz Cambage was not the right thing. If you invest, if you spread those resources out and actually take investment into the foundations of the organization seriously like that, it's, it's, a, it's a basketball team in L.A. that is purple and gold. They're going to be successful. Just, just properly invest. Yeah, yeah, and we've seen them be successful with actually limited investment. So it's not <laughs> like the bar is that high. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, like I think at this point, with just how much money there already is in men's sports, like the ROI is even better on women's sports because there's just such a huge gap that there exists to be filled. Yeah. But again, like I mean, we're not talking Joe about Buck making is getting the same like twenty kind of money. million dollars a year. So yeah, so, yeah I would. I'm, <laughs> it's a lot of money. <laughs> So yeah. much fun. I'm just thinking about like Tom Brady's contract when he retires. It's insane. Yeah. 
<laughs> without ever having said an interesting thing in his life. He's Not just gonna, a one. I mean, if yeah. they're just going to get him drunk like he was in that like Tampa Bay boat parade, then like I'd watch that a little bit, but like a little, you know? That's my career path, Sabrina. We we need to we need to reserve that for for my career. That's the hook. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for way less than twenty million dollars. See, Fox, you're getting a discount. I'm not a clerical error. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, for those of you who are interested in more about the Sparks uh, basketball side of things, which I, I realized was not really the point of this discussion, uh, I do write a lot about the Sparks at swishpeel.com, another one of our SB Nation sites, and also talk about the Sparks and the rest of the WNBA on podcast over on that site. But thank you, Anthony, for indulging me in this uh, venting session of mine. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's me venting. This was great. This was fantastic. Thanks for having me. So thank you all for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow talking about stickers, I presume. Yeah.